Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. I see ushers back there. If you need a Bible this morning, they, uh, they have one passed along to you. Just wave at them. Say, hey, I, I left mine at home or in the car or wherever that happens. Um, I have Bibles in every place I might ever happen to be. That way I never have to worry about forgetting it because I forget things too. So, But uh, if you need one, you say, well, we put it on the screen. Yes, we do. But I encourage you to look at it in your own copy. And you can also use, if you have electronic version, you can do that as well. I'd appreciate it if you're not surfing the web or sending text while you're doing that. But if you would just read your Bible. All right. And again, if you're, um, with, if you want to go on our website, you saw about half of the video this morning uh, with Jim and Susan and their family. The other half is on the website. Uh, the whole thing is there. And so if you'd like to watch that, I encourage you to take advantage. It's good to see the whole thing. More pictures of their trip down there and more of Jim and Susan's comments. So that's there for you as well. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, where we'll be this morning. continue in this series called custom-made calling we each have a custom-made calling and some of the some of the just the practical truths that the apostle paul is going to give us by the inspiration of the holy spirit in these first 13 verses of chapter 3 are critical to understanding and walking in our custom-made calling and so this morning as we go through them they're many of them very simple but they're very powerful as well they're matter of fact they're life-changing, and, and they continue to be life-changing. As a matter of fact, I'm going to share a little story this morning as part of the message um, where God continues in my own life by taking these truths deeper and how it continues to change. It continues to cause me, first of all, to see God in a bigger way and to recognize how he's made me, what he's doing in me, and what his purpose is for me. And he wants to do that for every single one of us, not just me, not just a few, but for all of us. And so in Ephesians chapter three, we're going to begin right there in verse one. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. I want to stop there into verse one. And I want to jump with you to the last verse in this section, which is verse 13. You say, well, Troy, there's a lot of verses in between. Yeah, we're going to go back to those. All right. Paul does here what he often does is he says there's a reason and then he doesn't tell you what the reason is until later in the chapter. He, he gets off on another theme and he gets very excited about that theme and he tells you a lot about that and then he comes back and he circles back around and you'll see him do that over and over again in, in his writing, uh, but he does it here. So he tells you that there's a reason for this reason, I, Paul, prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, for this reason, what reason? The reason is down in verse 13. So I ask you not to lose heart. He's writing what he's writing them is he said, I don't want you to lose heart over what I'm going through, over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. What I'm suffering for you is really your glory. It's not something for you to be discouraged over. It's not something for you to be overwhelmed over or feel badly about. I want you to know this is God's plan. This is his work. It's for his glory. It's for your glory. So don't be discouraged. 
For this reason, I'm writing all that I'm writing, and I'm going through all that I'm going through, but I don't want you to be discouraged in it. Now back up with me to verse 2. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me, or for, that was given to me for you. There are so many thoughts, right? I want to chase rabbits so badly in this message today because there are so many different directions to go. Let me stop here. Let me give you, I'm going to try to keep it, I'm going to stay on track this morning, all right? In a timely way, hopefully. Three things you've got to know. Three things that you and I need revelation and, and, and receptivity to, to receive. The first is this. And this principle, you see it over and over again in Scripture. Always put yourself in a lower position unless God tells you to do, do differently for His glory in a specific situation. I'm going to say that again. Always put yourself in a lower position unless the Spirit of God tells you to do differently in a specific situation so that He might receive glory. Now you say, oh, okay, sure, no problem. Have you ever actually tried to live that? See, the tendency that we have as human beings, and I think especially as American human beings, is it's not about putting yourself lower, it's lifting yourself up. I have to make sure that you know how wonderful I am. I have to make sure that you know how many letters come after my name and how many degrees that I have and what kind of titles that I have and what I have accomplished. My, my sense of worth, my sense of value, everything that I am is wrapped up in you recognizing and showing appreciation for how special I really am. This is the mindset. This is the spirit that permeates our culture. And, and unfortunately, it often permeates whether it's believers or unbelievers. doesn't make any difference. The Apostle Paul starts this chapter by announcing himself, by introducing himself. He introduces himself three times in the book of Ephesians. Once, at the very beginning, in chapter 1, he says, I am the apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to you as the apostle of Jesus Christ. The other two times, he uses a distinct phrase here, I am the prisoner. In this case, I am the prisoner for Jesus Christ. And in chapter 4, he's going to say, I'm the prisoner for the Lord. He uses different terms for Jesus. He uses the official name, the really the anointed king. I'm the prisoner for the anointed king in chapter 3. I'm the prisoner for my master and Lord in chapter 4. There is something that we see naturally in this. Paul didn't write to them. He wasn't saying, I'm the apostle who goes all over Asia and starts all these churches. I'm the one who had special revelation. Jesus met me on the road to Damascus. I'm the one who went to the third heaven and had all of that. He doesn't introduce himself. I'm the one who, you know, is going to write half the New Testament. He doesn't even say, I'm the one who's the Pharisee of the Pharisees. I'm the one who is, has, was very young, who rose to prominence in this religious circle. I had great honor and respect. He doesn't do any of that in this. He says, no, I'm a prisoner. 
I'm the lowest of the low. As a matter of fact, later on in this chapter, in chapter 3, he's going to say that God entrusted to me this, this gift, this grace, the stewardship of this that I'm giving to you, but he entrusted it to me, and I'm the least of the saints. In another place, he says, I'm the greatest of sinners. In this chapter, he says, I'm the least of the saints. He is in honesty, not in false humility. In honesty, he's saying, I'm nothing. God is everything. My Jesus is everything, and he's entrusted me. That's what we see here in verse 2. He says this word stewardship. You know, an interesting thing, this word in some of your Bibles, it may be translated dispensation. Because some look at, matter of fact, this is the Greek word where often we get this. And if you've grown up in a church culture that was big on dispensationalism, this is the word. But stewardship is really a better, we make it about time, this dispensation of time. But the word really is about stewardship. It's really about us receiving something from the Lord that doesn't belong to us, it belongs to him. And he's given us the charge of dispensing it at a particular time in a particular way. Paul says, that's me. I have nothing. I am nothing. God has everything. He is everything. But he's given me this gift, this ministry, if you will. And I am to dispense to you at this particular time as a good steward. That which does not belong to me, it belongs to the Lord. But I'm to bring it and give it to you. So I want you to understand, I'm the prisoner of the Lord. I'm nothing. I want you to stop for a minute. And think about in your own life. And you may ask the Holy Spirit to help you in this, to remind you of stuff. Just in this last week, have there been times, opportunities, or temptation to make sure that somebody knew something about you that's special, that would, in your thought process, lift you up in their eyes and estimation? I'll give you an example. The Lord began working on this in my life a number of years ago as pastor, one of the pastors here. People come up all the time. And sometimes they catch me in the building. Sometimes I'm outside the building. I might be doing something. Recently, I was outside doing some work and somebody came up and caught me. And they don't know, especially when I'm out doing work, um, I'm not dressed like a pastor is supposed to dress. I get whatever a pastor is supposed to dress like. Um, but I, I'm not dressed that way and I'm hot and I'm dirty and doing stuff. And so they come up and they, so they don't know who I am. They just see me there and they've got questions, whatever they'll walk up. And, and usually they'll say, you know, do you go here or is, or, you know, are you part of this church? And I say, yeah, I'm a member here at this church. And, uh, and I have many conversations with people and they leave and never know anything different. Now I'm just a member here at this church, which I am. That's all I am. I'm a member here at this church. And the Lord made me aware of this and because I initially I would come up and say oh I'm the pastor uh, you know or I'm I'm the senior pastor whatever that means I'm getting older so I begin to represent the remark more I'm the senior pastor um Paul's still older than me though all right just so just so you know all right so he's senior to the senior pastor all right yes I had to let you know right These terms that we throw out. I have, I have these credentials. This credential. Now, there are times that the Lord's going to lead you and me to pull out the credentials in a certain situation because he's going to get glory from it. Because Paul did. 
Paul had the credentials. He just kept them in his back pocket. He didn't pull them out until at Philippi, when it was important and they were coming to, to release him and drag him off after they had falsely imprisoned and beaten him without a trial because he was a Roman citizen. And so they begin to take him out and he said, oh, hold on. You, you beat me and imprisoned me as a Roman citizen without a trial. And as soon as he said that, they were afraid because they knew they had messed up. They didn't know those were his credentials. They didn't know who he was. Why did Paul do that? Was he trying to make them feel bad? He's like, uh-huh, got you now. I'm going to report you. HR is going to hear about this, all right? No. Why did he do it? Because it was going to open up a door of opportunity for him to present the gospel in a much far-reaching way there in the city of Philippi. So there are occasions. It's not that the things that God allows us to go through and experience or uh, accomplish for his glory. It's not that we're ashamed of them. It's simply we don't trust in them or rely on them or flaunt them. This is important. I thought, personally, I was doing pretty well with this one. I, I said this recently in a staff meeting that the hardest lessons the hardest tests are the ones we thought we already passed. And I thought I was doing pretty well with this. And then on Friday of this week, this past week, a couple days ago, the situation came up and um, the Lord reminded me that he's still doing work. And there's more hidden in there in the heart that he wants to illuminate, speak to, and by his power, transform. Uh, Lori and I on Friday were going, and um, if you know my wife, you know that she has a number of things that she really likes. One of them is what we call chewy ice. She likes chewy ice. Uh, you get it at different convenience stores. It's not regular ice to come up, but it's chewy ice. It's smaller and it's chewier, it's softer, and it's, you know, and, and she loves just to eat on it. She loves ice. And so you see her a lot of times, she's, she's got a little cup of that, and she's eating ice. And it's fine. It's, it's a cheap habit, so I don't mind. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's like, you know, doesn't cost anything in most places, especially if you bring your own cup, and they don't charge you for it. So, and she knows all the places, and she's even rated them, which one's best and second, third, <laughs> you know, all that. So, so. Uh, it's not an uncommon thing when we, when the two of us are together, you know, part of our date is to go find chewy ice somewhere. That's part of you know, just our time we spend together. So Friday we were doing that. We were going and I pulled up and I bought gas, the place that we normally go to. And she went inside to get her ice. And normally when she does, she'll get, you know, three or four cups, big, big styrofoam cups of ice. And she keeps them and takes them back in and because they don't charge you for, for refills of ice if you bring your cup in and so she, she did that, and so she's doing that while I'm outside pumping gas, and then I'm going in after her because I'm going to get a drink. Mine does cost something. They don't give those away free. And so I'm going in to do that. She's passing me going out, and as I walk in and I'm getting my drink, I hear the two employees talking, and I realize all of a sudden they're talking about my wife. And they were not talking in a flattering sort of way and um, about her and her ice. Um, and... I got 
unrighteously indignant. But again, I think I've grown enough in the Holy Spirit. I knew not to just to completely show out there and, you know, and do what I wanted to do inside. I mean, I had enough of the Holy Spirit self-control not to do that. But, but I wasn't going to let it slide without saying something here, you know. I needed to give them peace of my mind I couldn't afford to do without. And, um, and so I go up and I begin to address this. I said, hey, ice is free, right, if you bring the cups in. But yeah, but she took a carrier. And those aren't, those cost money. And I was like, well, did anybody mention that to her as she was going out? And, you know, would you like me to pay for the carrier? How much did the carrier cost? A little, you know, cardboard carrier. Was it, you know, whatever it was, you know, and I was trying to keep my cool and all, but I was not happy about all of that. And, and again, in her defense, she got one of those because Previous employee said, hey, when you bring your cups in, just grab a cardboard carrier. And take, since you have all these cups of ice, grab a carrier and take them instead of having them all wrapped up in your arms. So she was doing that. I know my, if you know my wife, she would never break a rule in her life. Now, I'd break them every day just for the fun of it, but she wouldn't. I would carry the tray out with nothing in it, just waving it at them. All right? That's just me. And I said, you see me? I got your tray. God's still working on me, all right? <laughs> so we go, and we leave. And I'll tell you the rest of the story later in the sermon, all right? Let's keep going. All right. Next point here. Let's keep going. Verse 3. How the mystery... He says, I was given this stewardship. I was entrusted with this. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation... We know that. That happened on the road to Damascus. We know that story there in the book of Acts. I, how I, and I have written briefly. He said, I've told you briefly about what happened there. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations that it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Now, he's going to tell you what the mystery is. He says, this mystery came to me by revelation. Nobody gave it to me. No other person gave it to me. And it wasn't revealed in previous times. As great as the prophets were, as great as Moses and Abraham and David and all of them were, they had great vision that God gave them of something coming in the future, but they didn't see all this. But he says, now in these times, God has revealed it to me and to his apostles. He has re revealed what this mystery is. Now's the time. Now's the dispensation. If we're, now's the time when the stewarded gift is being dispersed. And he says in verse 6, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, fellow members. It really says members of the same body, but fellow heirs, fellow members, fellow partakers. Paul coins words. He doesn't have words to say what he wants, so he creates words. Fellow heirs, fellow members, fellow partakers. This is the mystery, that there is no distinction, that God's plan has always been, and now he is revealing it, that he wants all to know him and to be joined together in him with Jesus being the head, but they all be joined together as joint heirs, meaning they get the same inheritance. Everybody gets the same inheritance. 
I remember Andrew when he was, you know, it's funny sometimes how we read the Bible and we, we kind of hone in on those things that we think might be advantage to us. Andrew's somehow in reading or in somebody sharing, said, hey, Dad, in the Old Testament, wasn't the oldest son given a double portion? So I should get twice as much of the girls and whatever's left. And of course, they're always talking about my stuff as though I'm dying tomorrow, too. And it's like, I don't, I don't plan to go that quickly, you know, and, and I hope to spend it all before that time comes. But um, but he said, shouldn't I get a double? That's the habit. I said, yes, because the oldest son had the responsibility of caring for the widowed mom and, and taking care of her for her whole life. He says, I'll take care of mom. Just give me double. I'll make sure she's all right. Like, and we're not going to do it that way. We're going to operate under the new covenant, all right? So the old one. But we tend to do that, right? We say, I, we're joint heirs, but we're equal in that. It's not one getting, because I'm Jewish, I get a double portion. No, we're joint heirs. It's not because I'm Gentile, I get more because I'm later to the game. No, we get, we're joint heirs. We get the same. Oh, that person I really don't like? Well, God loves them too. He wants them to be a joint heir as well. This fits into my story when I get back to it. Um, joint heirs, joint members, we're joined together. Paul, and he's going to bring it up again later on. As a matter of fact, let me read it now because this is such an important point. Keep going with me, verse 7. In him, oh, sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter. But, uh, that, won't, that won't be right. Chapter 3, here we go. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Notice it's God's grace, it's his power, it's his word, it's his gift. It's all of him. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, who's the church? Here we are. And not just us, the body of Christ around the world. That through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. I don't understand what I just read, but I believe it because I read it there. I understand the words that what he just said is not only is God working in you and me so that we will be a witness of his power of transformation to the people in the world around us, but he also wants us to be on display for the world that we cannot see. They're watching too. And that part, I, that's hard for me to grasp. I don't get that, but that's exactly what he says. He says he's displaying through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. It seems to me that that would be not only angels, that also would include Satan and all the workers of darkness. They would also be part of that. That all would get, and then whatever else is watching and part of all that kingdom. Part of that which we cannot see. God's plan for all eternity has been, I'm going to create this thing through my son called the church, and I'm going to use this thing to prove 
and demonstrate to the world that we see and to the one that we don't see how good and great God is. That's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do. Yes, you can clap if you want to clap. That's what he wants to do. So don't tell me you don't need church. I can't tell you I don't need church. I need the body gathered. We need one another. Not just because of what God provides to us and say, so, well, it makes me feel good at certain times and people help when I'm in trouble, all that kind of No, because you're and you and I are a display of God's glory, the world, the one we can see and the one we can't. We're joint members. Joint heirs, joint members, joint possessors of the promise. That's what the scripture says. What promise is he talking about? The promise of the Holy Spirit. We're joint possessors of God himself taking up residence in us as believers. When we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and who he is and what he did, and I receive his payment for my sin, and I, I surrender, I give him my life, I quit trying to be my own savior. Then he says the promise is, this was the promise Jesus made, it's the promise that's repeated over and over again, then I will give you my spirit. Joint possessors of his spirit. She calls us to pause when we want to speak in a defaming, detrimental, discouraging, hateful, mean way towards someone else who is a believer. Because they bear the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, even if they may not look like it in that moment. Just like you, they have God, the Holy Spirit, who resides within them. Serious thing. And you say, well, they don't act like it. Well, do you always act like it? Well, I love, I, I praise Jesus for his grace. Because I don't always act or live up to what I know to be true. As evidenced on Friday in my story. So I put myself lower, according to Paul, not higher. Matter of fact, James reiterates this. He says, hey, don't take and go sit at the head table. I'm, this is my paraphrase. Don't go sit at the head table and have somebody say, what are you doing up here, bud? Go over there and sit in the corner. All right? It'd be better for you to go sit in the corner and then have somebody at the head table say, hey, what are you doing in the corner? Come on up here. Then to put yourself up here at the head table and then be put down there lower in front of everybody that you were trying to impress to start with. I know that's not exactly how it reads in here, but that's my paraphrase of it. He says, don't do that. Put yourself lower. Then he says, here's the mystery. Here's what I came, what Paul came. And by the way, just so you don't miss this, turn back to chapter one with me real quick. You say, well, this was Paul's stewardship. This was his gift. This was what he was called to do. He was called to do it in a specific way. And that's what made it his particular stewardship or gift. But I want you to look at something with me. Chapter one, we already saw this when we went through before, but I want to remind you. Chapter one, verse nine, making known to us Who's the us? Us. 
The body of Christ, the church, believers, making known to us the mystery of His will. Same word. So mystery, mystery in chapter 3, mystery in chapter 1. The mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven, and things on earth. It wasn't just Paul who got this mystery of what God has been up to and what his plan has been. He says, I'm, it's also for all of us and our role, whether we know it or not, our custom-made calling is to walk in the path that God has laid out for us, making known that Christ came not only to save us from our sins, but to be head over this thing we call the church and that he would manifest his glory in every one of our lives. His transforming supernatural power in each one of us, that we would be this incredible display of what only God can do. And people would look into our lives and they would be in awe and say, I can't understand anything about your life other than there must be something bigger at work here. There must be someone bigger at work here. That's his plan for you. If your plan for you involves figuring out how am I going to reach this pinnacle of success? How am I going to get to a place where people respect and honor me? What am I going to have to do? What is the plan? What am I going to have to walk through? What am I going to have to accomplish? And how do I toot my own horn loud enough so everybody knows what I have accomplished? You will miss the custom-made calling of God. You'll miss it. I humble myself. I acknowledge the fact that this mystery of joint heir, joint member, joint possessor, that God is revealing and he's doing it in my life and in your life, wherever we happen to be. And then the last point. Verse 11. This was according to the eternal purpose that has realized and realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Boldness means literally speaking. We have the boldness to speak, and access means literally that access. It was usually used of those who had access into the presence of, of deity or those who had presence of royalty and nobility or someone where you couldn't just walk in. Picture it this way. You just show up at the White House today and say, hey, I'm going to go in and meet with the president. No, you're not. All right. You don't have access. This says we have access. We have both boldness and access through our faith in Jesus Christ. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is, which is your glory. Here is the point that may be one of the most difficult in our human experience. Paul is laying it out again here for them. But as a believer, as someone in Jesus Christ, nothing comes into your life and our life that Jesus wasn't aware of. Nothing. Good or bad, however we describe it, nothing. Paul says, I'm in prison. I want you to notice what he says. He didn't say, I'm a prisoner of, of Caesar. Though literally he was. He didn't say, I'm a prisoner of Caesar. He didn't even say, I'm a prisoner because of the Jews. The Jews were the ones who did this to me. Or they were the ones who forced me to appeal to Caesar. So that's why I ended up here. 
He didn't say that. He said, I am a prisoner for Christ Jesus, for the anointed one, for my king. I'm a prisoner for my king, not this earthly king. Well, no, Paul, you're in prison because of the Jewish people and because of Caesar. That's why you're in prison. No, Paul says, no, I am not. I am not in prison because of Caesar or because of the Jewish people. I'm in prison for my king. What is he saying? Nothing touches you and me. Nothing comes into our life that Jesus doesn't know about. And then we get into this theological argument, which I am not going to join in with. Did God plan it? Did he, did he do it? There are verses that would seem to indicate he does. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah says, who made the blind? Who made the deaf? Didn't I do that? Well, God, that can't be right. You only do good things. I'm telling you, there are truths. There are theological truths here. I don't understand with my mind. I'm not sure any of us do. I know this truth that I believe in my heart and I want to live it out every moment of every day. Nothing comes into my life that doesn't first go through his hand. Nothing. Good or bad. However, I'm going to define it. Paul is in prison. He seems to be indicating, though we can't know this for sure, that he recognizes a truth that we would understand. Paul is so busy with ministry and what he's doing and going everywhere and all the preaching that he's doing and all the travel that he's doing and the establishing of churches and helping establish leadership and all the things that he's doing, God puts him in prison or allows him to be put in prison so he can write four books that will change the course of church history. Do you realize we wouldn't be reading Ephesians, we wouldn't read Philippians or Colossians or the book of Philemon if Paul's not in, in that Roman, basically under house arrest in Rome. There's more that's happening because he's under house arrest under Caesar, under Caesar's guards. So literally, he's basically in Caesar's house under arrest. I mean, he's probably not literally in his palace, but he's under house arrest by Caesar, waiting to go before Caesar. And every day there are guards that are forced to be there with him. He's not alone. Now, we don't know if he's chained to them or if he's chained in the room or if he's just in the room and they're there. It doesn't give us those specifics, but they're there. There's a guard that's with him all the time. So Paul, he's like, this guy's not going anywhere. He can't go anywhere. Under penalty of death, he cannot leave. So I'm going to tell him about Jesus. And so that guy gets out, either just grateful to be done with it or, or, or changed man, we don't know. And he goes, and, the next, and there's another one the next day. And they keep coming in, one after another. Paul's evangelizing the house of Caesar. That's what he's doing. Why? Because he has a fundamental belief that so often evades us. That no matter what I'm going through, it is an opportunity for Jesus to get glory. No matter what's happening in my life. I may not like it. I may not jump up and down and cheer because of it. I may wish it were different. But in the final analysis, our God is so great, he can bring glory to himself in this very thing that I wish I did not have. And by the way, if you think I'm making that up, that truth is shown to us over and over again, both Old and New Testament. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Joseph said to his brothers, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good to save many people alive. Yes. That's what he does. Yes. 
You see this over and over again. Over and over, you see it throughout the Scripture. I mean, the greatest example we just celebrated last weekend. The, those Jewish leaders, those Roman soldiers, all the people involved in the crucifixion, and ultimately the spiritual forces behind it, in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, had no idea that in the midst of all that, God was going to, he was going to bring about his greatest glory, and he was going to save people alive because of what looked like horrible miscarriage of justice. An innocent man, a completely innocent man, suffering and dying, being punished for something he didn't do. Humble yourself. Don't lift yourself up. Don't try to impress people with your titles, your accomplishments. That's an ongoing work that God has to do in our heart. Believe. Believe that your custom-made calling involves making known this mystery that is no longer hidden, that Jesus Christ came for all, that they might be joint heirs, joint members, joint possessors. And no matter what happens in your life and in my life, Jesus still works through it to bring himself glory. If I'll see life that way, if I'll believe him and look at life that way, so you're firing from your job, awful as it may be, becomes an opportunity for God to demonstrate his glory. The death of your loved one, is, as much as it hurts your heart, becomes an opportunity for God's, love, for God's glory to be shown. That, mis, that false accusation that has been leveled your way, that loss of relationship because of something you did not do, I mean, it's, we got enough of those of things we did do, but those. I mean, but we really feel bad when we didn't do anything. It's, it's like, Lord, this is the one time I didn't. I'm not. I didn't do anything. And even there, Lord, what are you doing? How are you going to display your glory in all of this? Back to my story. Lori, you come. So I leave. I think about it through the day, what transpired. I start thinking, I wish I had gotten their names. I thought I had gotten their names. I could, I could communicate with their manager. That was unprofessional what they did. That was unprofessional. That's how we r rationalize and justify all this. Well, I'm doing this for the good of that convenience store. I'm doing it so they'll, they'll be better off and more successful. That's why I'm, that's why I'm thinking about communicating I know you guys never have thoughts like this. I'm just, this is just confession, all right? Chicken soup for the soul here, all right? So, I, we, I, you know, it comes back, the thought comes back and on. So I go to bed uh, Friday night. Lori, she goes off to sleep. Cause, I mean, because she always follows the rules, so she sleeps well. Um, and, but I'm awake, and I, I cannot sleep. I'm laying there and I cannot sleep. And I'm reliving it in my mind. Think, you know what? 
I could go back and ask somebody who would have been on staff, who had been working that shift. I could get their names. I could send this all the way up to corporate. I mean, really. Again, over a cardboard tray, folks. I was laying there and the Holy Spirit just so sweetly Troy what is this really all about why are you laying here awake over this like Lord I don't know say would you like me to show you he said when you were thinking about communicating with the manager or with corporate what information were you going to share well I was going to tell him I'm a loyal customer I buy gas for all three of my vehicles in that place every month. I mean, it's not insignificant what I spend in their stores. But I got lots of other choices. I don't have to be disrespected. He said, bingo. There it is. They did not show you the respect or the honor you thought you were entitled to. And if I hadn't restrained you, you'd have told them right then and there that they weren't doing it. You'd have told them how much money you spend in there every month and that you pay their salary. That's what you would have done if I hadn't restrained you. Yeah, Lord. That's what I would have done. So we talked for a little bit about that. And he, in his gentle way, he addresses, he says, and I thought, Lord, I thought I dealt with all this stuff. And he goes, I know you did. That's the reason I allow situations to come into your life to help you see what you would not see otherwise. I reveal the mystery to you that you wouldn't otherwise see. So, Lord, what do I do about it? I guess I can't contact corporate now, right? And he goes, no, I want you to go higher than that. I thought, what do you mean higher than that? He goes, I know you don't know their name, but you remember their faces. And I want you to begin to pray for them. They were probably having a rough day of their own before you ever walked into that scenario. They may or may not know me. Do you care if they know me or not? Well, Lord, if I'm being honest, um, I'd like for them to get some punishment and then they could come to know you. Do you want me to treat you that way, Troy? Is that how I've dealt with you? No. Humble yourself. Remember that your custom-made calling involves the revelation of this mystery of who I am to the world. And see every situation as something I'm allowing to bring about this transformation in your life so that all the universe is going to marvel. They're going to be in awe of what I'm doing in you. Because there is, there is aware of how messed up you are as I am. I began to pray for these two. I don't know their name, but I began to pray God, I don't know what was going on with them, what kind of day they were having, but I pray for them. And I don't know if they know you, 
I don't know where they'll spend eternity. And quite honestly, I was so concerned about my own honor and that I felt disrespected that I didn't even think about the fact whether they know you. Thank you, Lord. Just bow your heads with me. He is faithful in our lives. He is faithful to deal with those areas where we thought we'd already passed the test, where we thought we were doing pretty well, where we thought that's not really an issue for me anymore. It has been my experience, yours may differ, but it has been mine that when those words come out of my mouth, I need to get ready because he's about to reveal to me that there's more of an issue there than I thought. The Holy Spirit saying to you this morning, what is he saying to you? Instead of seeing the person or the situation or the set of events as being an enemy, as being awful and bad, if I could just change that or get rid of that or if I could just get this to happen, everything would be okay. I promise you it would not. Because there would still be things inside you and me that the Lord says, I want to gently and lovingly deal with that. You'll let me. Why is he doing that? Because I'm a joint heir, a joint member, and a joint possessor. That's why he does it. Because I'm not just joined to you as fellow members. I'm joined, most importantly, to him. And we're joined to each other by him. He was willing to do that. He was willing to join himself to you and me. He didn't have to. Lord, I pray for each one right now. We need revelation, greater revelation of how to humble ourselves and not lift ourselves up. And Lord, in the areas where you've worked and demonstrated your power and we have humbled ourselves, then Lord, we have a tendency to get proud of the things we're humble about. And so, Lord, we kind of find ourselves right back in the same place. So, Lord, give us revelation. Help us see. Give us hearts that believe that if we humble ourselves, you will lift us up. If we exalt ourselves, we will be put down. Help us see our calling to 
to make known what was a mystery but is no longer a mystery. You have revealed it in these days. You've revealed it in this time. We have the dispensation, the stewardship of this gift of grace that we are joint heirs and joint members and joint possessors. It's an incredible message. It's incredible truth. Stir in our hearts again, Lord, that we care whether or not people know it. Now, they may not care to know it, but Lord, at least allow us to care that they know it. Help us, Lord. And in those situations, big or small, that we look at as bad, as negative, unwanted, something we would completely change if we had your power, if we had your authority, if we could control circumstances the way you do, we would change this. Lord, cause us to believe with all of our heart that nothing has come to us, nothing, no matter what it looks like, nothing has come to us that you have not first seen. And that from that thing, whatever it is, you have a plan for our transformation and for your glory. Help us, Lord, to believe it.